everybody, good morning. Um, welcome again to Redeemer. Uh, my name is Chris Horn, and um, appreciate our brother Vern praying um, for my family and I um, and our staff. I work with a ministry at Wake Forest called RUF, uh, which is um, basically like a food truck version of the church that goes to campus. Um, and is spiritually available for students, and uh, some of our students are with us this morning, and really grateful um, for your prayers and for your support. Um, I was a pastor here for a number of years, and our family is still here. We love Redeemer, and so I'm grateful to be with you. So I'm here this morning, and neither of our other two ministers are here because they, as Vern said, are in Albuquerque, New Mexico, visiting Justin Egger and his family and his church, City Prez. And um, Justin is come, and his family are coming in January to be one of our new pastors. And um, I'm really excited about this trip that Giorgio and Eric took because I think it's really beautiful and honoring and important to show up where somebody already is and see their people and to see their world and to understand it. Um, Albuquerque and Winston-Salem are not even similar places uh, if you've ever been to Albuquerque. Uh, it feels like it's in a different country. Um, it's just the, even the landscape and everything is so different. But also, I'm really excited for the Eggers to come um, because Justin is one of my longest and most dearest friends. And so uh, I assure you I played little to no role in him um, coming here. But uh, except for just, you know, sometimes when you're matchmaking, all you do is make an introduction and then you just let it happen. And, um, but I'm really thrilled because I think that Justin and Zanette and their kids are going to be a real um, gift to our church. And so um, I'm excited about that. And if you haven't gotten to know them, I'm excited for you. Uh, we're going to be in the Gospel of John, chapter 6. And um, there's these four Gospels in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that tell the story of Jesus' life. And um, there are these times in John's Gospel where Jesus introduces himself by saying, I am, you know, uh, it's, it's weird like, to know what to ask someone when you meet them for the first time, because I, maybe you don't, I have an existential crisis every time I meet someone for the first time, because I don't know what I'm supposed to ask them, because um, everything seems so like, limiting, like, where do you live, and you're like, ah, it says something, like, what do you do for work, like, I, you know, I, I'm at the point where I just awkwardly go, like, what, what are you about, um, and no one knows how to answer that, and then I feel like... Um, I don't want to reduce someone to their job or their look, you know, anyway. It's hard to get to know someone for the first time. And these times in John's gospel, Jesus will say, I am the good shepherd. I am the light of the world. And these are ways that he is introducing himself to us. And this is one of those this morning. Um, before we dive in and read this passage, um, I want to invite you to ask yourself a question. And we'll take a couple of minutes of quiet to allow you to, to think about it. Um, everybody, I, when I stand up in front of a church, I look out and I'm like, I know most of the people, but I still don't really know why any of us are here. Because um, for, for each of us, there's like all these different motivations about why do we come to church? What are we hoping to get from church? And so the, the question that I want to invite you to sort of meditate on um, is uh, what, what am I hoping to get today at church? Like, what am I hoping that God's going to give me? What am I hoping to get from this experience? Um, and there's all kinds of reasons why we come here. We want to 
to connect with God, we want to find meaning, we want to find people, uh, maybe we want to escape what's at home and come somewhere where somebody else is in charge for like an hour. Um, this may be like a, a very comforting like sort of tradition to be part of as you show up on Sunday morning. And all those are beautiful and good reasons. Um, but yeah, let's take a moment before we hear the word, and I want to invite you to close your eyes, if you're comfortable with that, and settle into your body, into your seat, and find your breath. Now we're going to do yoga, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, find your breath, and just simply sit with God and ask, okay, if you don't really know, what am I, what am I wanting from this experience? What am I here to get? whatever you were able to put your finger on, just keep a finger on it, hold it. Father, Son, Spirit, um, I thank you for this time and space to share with these, my sisters and brothers. We thank you that you have called us here, and Lord, as we feel the, the realness of the chair that we're sitting on, as we sense the realness of the people around us, as we sense the realness of this building, Lord, so you are real in this space with us. And you have intention, and you have things to give to us, and you have things that you invite us to come and see. And Lord, we also have all these things that we want. And most of them we don't really even have words for. And so, Lord, we pray that as we hear your word, that you would speak to us, that you would speak not just to our thoughts, but you would speak to us deep inside where the places are where we don't have words, and that we would hear your voice, Lord, whether it's like for the millionth time or it's brand new. Um, this is like just a charade if I come up here and say, you know, holy sounding things and then we just take the ideas and leave. Um, Lord, we want you. And so, Lord, would you come and, and be with us and help us to know that you are here as we hear your word. All right, this is from John chapter 6, starting in verse 25. Even if you don't know much about Jesus, you probably know some of the things that he's famous for. Like, if you don't know much about Michael Jordan, you're like, I played for the Bulls, played basketball. Um, Jesus, you probably know that one time, he, there was this massive group of thousands and thousands of people, and they were hungry, and they were out in the countryside, and so he just took, like, a handful of loaves of bread and fish and miraculously fed thousands of people with it. And it was pretty awesome. 
And then after that, they got in a boat, his friends got in a boat, and they went out without him, and then he walked up to them on the water. So random um, that he would do that. There's reasons why he did that. But, um, and both of those two things are the things that happened right before this passage, okay? So they're on the other side of this big lake, and all the people that were following him, they had gotten into boats, and they had crossed over. And this is what uh, John, who was one of Jesus' friends, writes. He was there watching it happen. It says, when they, they, the crowds, found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, teacher, when did you come here? And this would have been a great time for Jesus to tell them about how he walked on water, but he's very humble, so he didn't. And Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. He's like, you're, you didn't do all this work to get over here because you're like, I am very intrigued by this Jesus. You came because I made a bunch of food and it tasted good. Now, let me stop for just a second and promise not to preach a sermon in the middle of the passage. Um, these people that had come out to hear Jesus are not people that had a refrigerator of food at home. They're not people that had like a you know, granola bar in their pocket. They're not people that could run through cookout real quick. Um, they were in the middle of the countryside, first. Second, they are, um, by the world's standards and, hi- and history standards, abjectly poor. These are not people with broad access to, to food. Their nation is under siege, and not siege, but occupation and persecution by the empire of Rome, who presses them on every side. And so they are an oppressed people out in the country, and... Jesus tells them, you know, you're just following me because I was able to make food. And it's like, well, of course they're following you because you were able to make food. You know, people that were like not sure where their future meals were going to come from, if they find someone that can just create food out of nowhere, it makes all the sense in the world for them to follow you. Um, And so it can feel a little bit stern from Jesus um, when he says that. And if you're feeling that, uh, two things. Number one, Jesus was poor like them. He was one of them. He knew exactly how they were feeling. And so he's not just um, getting on. To, he's not like this rich person that's out there like, why do you want the food? All you guys are just looking for a handout. Um, let me tell you something more important. Um, he empathizes with them, but what he's doing is what we would do too, which is when we want people to, to know us for us and who we are, like you might be um, very beautiful and people are drawn to you because you're beautiful. And you want that beauty to draw someone in, that's a good thing, to, to know you and to see who you are. Or you might be a person with a truck and you're like, I wanna have friends and I want my truck, when they need to move, they call me and I help them move and then we, they see me for who I am and I'm such a kind person and then we get, we get closer. Um, we have this feeling, like if you're a student and there's someone in your dorm and they're like, you're really good at homework and people come to you to help them with their homework, you're like, that's beautiful and you hope that they will see through that homework and, and embrace you as a human being and not just love you for what you can do for them. And Jesus is exactly the same, okay? He's saying, I'm offering you something that's even better than making this food and I want you to come and see that. Okay, mini sermon in the middle of the passage is over. 
Then he says, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Okay, like we're not supposed to work for food that perishes. We want to work for the eternal food. What is that work? And Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said, then what sign do you do? I mean, besides feeding the 5,000 people that we may see and believe you. What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. That's a story in the Exodus about God giving bread from heaven. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. This man was making regular food yesterday. Now he's offering food that if I eat, it's like Willy Wonka, you know, like of, of Palestine. Like if I eat this food, then I won't ever have to be hungry again. It's like the everlasting gobstopper. It sounds great. Um, we like spiritualize things. That, but imagine being these people who are like, this man, that sounds awesome. Let's do it. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said that you have seen me, and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Lord, thank you for this word. Um, we've read it. It's enough. Um, but Lord, we just take a few moments now to look at it some more and sort of turn it over in our hearts, and we pray that you would, uh, you would meet us in that. We pray, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. So if you're able to hold that, that pen in your mind of why you're here, what are you hoping to get from God or from church or from this experience, um, these people that had come to Jesus came with super legitimate desires. In a sense, he set them up for this desire, for them to come after him for this food. And immediately, he sort of um, invites them into something more deep and true, which is right there in verse 27. He says, don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. And you may feel like, if, I'm, if I say right now, um, whether you've been in church a long time or not, if I say, the takeaway this morning is that Jesus offers you eternal life, then I can literally feel the room like mild spiritual disappointment. And because uh, it's like, you kind of set me up with all the things like what am I wanting and like getting my desires and then you're like eternal life, okay. I, I'm not really sure how that makes any difference to me because we imagine eternal life to be this thing that happens after this life is done. So when we hear eternal life, we're like, okay, I live my life, I do my best at trying to hold my life together and be a person of love and all that and then once I get to the end, um, I'll have something to look forward to after I die. 
And uh, that's not really what Jesus is talking about. If that was true, then that might be something interesting to file away for later and hold on to that for when the day comes. But when Jesus talks about eternal life, he's not talking about a when, but he's talking about a what. Jesus is offering them and you and me a life with him that once we were to receive it, we would say, I was technically alive before, but I'm not sure that I was living. Um, and, and, and many of us have had these experiences. We've gone places, we've seen things, um, we've felt sensations, we've seen a, a movie or read a book or heard a piece of music or met a person, and we say, There's, this is a before and after moment where life was in black and white and now it's in color. Or I was just moving through life um, at low volume and now the volume is all the way up. What Jesus is inviting these people to is to a, a quality and a realness of life in which we would say, though I've lived, I've never truly been alive. That it is eternal in quality because it is a life that is in God. And what's part of what's beautiful about that offer of eternal life, like for one, Jesus is offering a lot. It's like, it's hard to know to put, how to put words on these things. And we'll talk about that in a second. But like, if you think about all the things that you're deeply longing for out of this, or you think about what do I really want from my family? What do I really want from another person? Like, someone recently shared a portion of their prayer journal with me, and now I'm going to read it to you. I'm kidding. I'm not going to do that. Um, but part of what they were sharing is like, wrestling with this question because they were like, they're lonely. And they were praying to God about their loneliness. And they were like, God, I, I, I don't want someone that like, I just speak to them and they don't speak back. I, I don't want to like gain, you know, some kind of insights from this ancient book. I want someone that's here that I can hold. Someone that will know me. Someone when I look at them that they will look back at me and I will know that they are there and that they love me. And like that's usually where we're at when we're thinking about eternal life and we're like God is just offering us these things that are so like disappointing by comparison with the things that we actually want. And what Jesus actually, I mean if the story of the Bible, we won't get into this, but the story of the Bible is that what that person is deeply longing for is exactly what God is offering the most intimate being held, being loved, being seen. Um, so, that, so much so that like that quality of life that Jesus is offering, that eternal life, would not only satisfy fully everything that we come in wanting, but would wash them away in satisfaction. Like Jesus, there is no, this is what I was trying to get from the kids, and of course they answer like perfectly every time. What do you do with bread? You eat it. Why do you eat it? Because you're hungry. What happens when you eat it? You feel full afterward. End of illustration from Jesus. He's literally offering himself simply as someone who satisfies, who nourishes, who fills all in all. And 
what do we have to do to get that? That's the question that they ask. And it's a beautiful answer because it's free. Because he says, what, what, um, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. Now, this also hits a problem for us. Because probably most of us are like, yeah, but I already believe. And I'm not experiencing this eternal life thing that Jesus is talking about. Um, and I want to like, hazard a word with us about that. Um, I just realized how much this looks like a beer, and it's not. It is water, um, isn't it? Um, <clears throat> when we hear the word believe in God, what we take that to mean, usually, is that I hold in my mind ideas about God that I hold to be true. That what it means to believe is I say this list of things about God I'm with that. Um, and then we're lost after that. That may not be everyone in here, but I think it's a lot of us. And so when Jesus comes and says, I'm the bread of life. If you eat from me, you'll never be um, hungry again. And all you need to do to get that is to believe. You're like, how does me holding ideas about God equal me being filled? It would be like, like imagine if I told you, I am a huge believer in bread, okay? Like, I'm a bread guy, all right? And some of us are bread people, and I'm one of you. Um, and I have friends, and we are bread people. And you're like, oh, cool, I also dig bread. What's your, uh, how do you, what does it mean for you to be a believer in bread? And I'll say, well, for starters, I just read an incredible book about bread, about the history of bread, and would you believe some cultures it's unleavened, which is wild, and then all over the world, all these different kinds of bread, and, uh, and throughout time, you're like, that's cool. I mean, that is vaguely interesting, a book on bread. And you're like, no, no, no. You're like, okay, but what else? You're like, um, well, I, I go to classes, and the classes help me understand different aspects of bread, and you're like, cool, I love, love that. Like, there's a, there's a great pot. I've got like five, six great podcasts on bread. I listen to them while I'm jogging. They're like, okay, cool. All right. They're like, that seems all kind of intellectual. You're like, yeah, well, also, boy, I got some songs about bread that will move you. They will move you so deeply. Um, just about, it's like you can almost taste it when you're listening to the song. And you're like, if I told you all this, you would be like, okay, those things sound awesome. Like, I want the book, I want the podcast, I want to check out your classes, I want the song, because I also like bread. Have you ever eaten bread? Do you like the taste? Um, do you enjoy the bread? And I feel very, uh, I feel a high level of anxiety about walking down this road of, of reasoning with, with us, because I feel like if God's not real, then this is going to be a complete disappointment and letdown where this is going. Um, Jesus is saying, like, 
we can have tons. It's great. All, all the classes, youth group stuff, church, books, podcasts, music, it's all beautiful. But it's all in the realm of us holding beliefs about God. And that's not what Jesus means when he says to believe in him. What it's like, this is going to be a Taylor Swift reference, um, just to prepare yourself. Um, Last night, I went with my girls to see the Eras Tour movie. It was awesome. Um, It was really great. So basically, the Eras Tour movie is Taylor Swift has been on tour. Um, She had multiple records. She wasn't able to go on tour because of COVID. And now she's doing this amazing tour. And then they made a movie of the concert, and you can go watch it at Haynes or at the Grand or wherever you see movies. And um, we went. I like Taylor Swift, but I'm not like hardcore about Taylor Swift. But I also minister among a people that are hardcore about Taylor Swift. And I live among a people that are also hardcore about Taylor Swift. And I really like her. So we went. And one thing that, it, that stood out to me, which I knew but like hit me deeply, was I was like, she wrote all these songs. That's pretty amazing. She's a bad lady. And she's a great lyricist. Um, you know, like, uh, I'll stare directly at the sun, but never in the mirror. That is a great line, okay? But I digress. Yeah. But at the beginning of the show, this all this, you know, the stage production, all this, it's amazing. And she comes out, and she starts um, with Cruel Summer, okay? And it's great. And she's in SoFi Stadium in L.A., it's, I mean, it looks like it's 100,000 people. I don't know how many people it is. It's many tens of thousands of people. And they're doing, and everyone's singing along to Cruel Summer. You can listen to the live version on Spotify, and you can hear everyone singing. But in the middle of the song, part of what Taylor Swift is really great at is writing bridges. Do you know what a bridge is in a song? It's like verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, where like the, it's a little bit different. And she's amazing at writing devastatingly good bridges. And... Um, and so she goes, hey, basically she goes, hey, everybody, we have made it to the first bridge of tonight. Does anybody know the lyrics to this bridge? And obviously, like 80,000 people or whatever it was knew the lyrics to the bridge. And so she says, prove it. And she says, you know, I'm drunk in the back of the car, crying like a baby on the way home from the bar, right? I'm say, saying, I'm fine, but it wasn't true. Right. It was just like that, but like with 90,000 people, okay? <clears throat> and I don't want to keep secrets just to keep you. There was a sense in that moment when watching that, and you guys are like, you have lost me. <laughs> this is where it comes to fruition. It is true that all the people in there knew the lyrics, that they understood the concepts that they assented to the truths of the realities of the lyrics. But in that moment, when she invited them into it, it was not about the beliefs. It wasn't about the things that they knew. It wasn't about the ways of things they were holding in their mind. It was about Taylor Swift and about sharing that moment with Taylor Swift was literally everyone around her and everyone was caught up in this thing that she was doing. They were, they were in her life. Songs that are deeply personal about her life, and everyone was drawn into it. And here's what I want to do. 
um, instead of being like, here's three takeaways. Um, I want to invite us just to take a moment, holding in our mind that idea of why, what, do we, what do we come here for? Hearing Jesus say, I am the bread of life. Whoever eats of me will never be hungry again. And also hearing him say, don't work for food that perishes. And what I want to do is just take a few minutes, invite you again to settle in your seat, close your eyes if that's helpful. It's okay if you fall asleep. Um, Howard Thurman, who's a pastor and theologian, he tells a story about um, a woman who always fell asleep at church. And then he went to visit her at her house. And he realized that her house was constantly, deafeningly loud. And he said, I, I told her, I'm very grateful that you get 30 minutes of sound sleep each week at church. I would say she's eating the bread of life at church and resting and believing in Jesus. But I digress. Um, so take a moment. Nothing has to happen here. This is simply a, a moment of sitting with God and risking him showing up to nourish us. So I want you to hold in your mind with God, Lord, what am I working so hard for that is not, that is not going to satisfy, that's going to spoil, that's going to perish? And ask God to meet you there. And it's totally fine if you just had a moment of quiet. Now, I want you to risk just asking Jesus, Jesus, would you nourish me? Would you fill me? Would you show me the places I need to go? The things that you call me to do and to be and the places you call me to be to feast on you, to surround you and say back all the words. Lord, would you nourish our souls even now and show us where to go to be with you?
Lord, this time that we um, just shared sitting here together, trying to to just turn to you, um, is, is the beginning today of us being with you. And Lord, I feel in many ways just scared to invite my sisters and brothers to, to turn to you to be nourished. <laughs> and that's because a lot of time I don't believe it. And I want the controllable stuff and Lord, I don't really know how to, to feast on you. But Lord, I want to because I think you're serious about what you're inviting us to, this life of fullness. Lord, thank you for all the things that we have, all the ways that we can learn about you and all the things that we hold about you. But Lord, we want you. Um, so Lord, would you show up to us as we take the first step in that at this table, we risk asking you to show up to fill where we're hungry. Lord, we want to come to you because we're thirsty and come to the waters. We want to come without money and buy and eat milk and wine without money we don't want to spend all of our energy on that which doesn't satisfy us. And so, Lord, we come to you and we try now to take you at your word, believing as best we can that you will meet us. So, Lord, would you? We pray, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen.